1: Blog Talk Radio. Brand new platform. I'm back in the saddle. Let's do some off topic, shall we? All right, back in the saddle here Randy Zelia here with off topic backsportspage.com follow me on Twitter Randy BSP as well as on Instagram Randy BSP at backsports page on both Instagram and Twitter well, we're on Facebook off topic with Randy Zelia. I'm on Facebook as well as well as BackSportsPage page on Facebook BackSportsPage.com. We're on SoundCloud. a lot of stuff going on it's good to be back uh, this is my first show since mid-December. Uh, different platform, different way of doing everything. So I'm sort of just getting used to this uh, this way of doing it. Uh, program alert. Seth and Sean every Tuesday night. Beyond the Benches with Ryan Stern will be returning. Uh, Bill Kegel will be back. A lot of different things. The uh, NBA show with Gary Aid who's in connection with Back Sports Page, is going to be live soon on this network as well. So many different things going on. Just happy to be back doing my thing. Uh, I take a, a great pride in a lot of the work that I do. Uh, I've been doing so much behind-the-scenes stuff lately that coming back and doing my own show is always a, a fun thing. No Steve Spanoff, we're going to try and get him back involved, too. Uh, Bill Ingram is going to join us in a few minutes, just in a minute now, to talk NBA. Uh, Bill, uh, I think Bill has forgotten more basketball than I'll ever know in my life. So I'm just saying that right now. That's how smart and that's how great he is, this. So uh, with that being said, Really, just want to quickly uh, point out again, backsportspage.com. I want to thank you, real quick, to our sponsors on this show, Level One Games in uh, Palmton Plains, New Jersey, as well as our good friends at Performance Ford and in Lincoln in Randolph, New Jersey. Uh, we'll hear from more about the sponsorship at, later on in the point. Let's quickly, quickly welcome in our good friend, Bill Ingram. And, Bill, I hope I gave you the right introduction there.
0: <laughs> well, I haven't forgotten that much, but I know quite a bit about basketball after 17 <laughs> years of uh, covering the league intimately. Yeah. It's uh it's something I've done a lot of stuff with for sure. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, we, we have a lot to cover cause there's been so much going on. The news just broke a few minutes ago um, compared to when everyone's going to be downloading this episode. Uh, it's Kawhi Leonard. It looks like he's going to be out for the season. Yeah. Um, how big of a blow is it to this franchise, uh, especially with all the drama that's been going around with him? Uh, is this how much of this is this a big uh, big blow to San Antonio?
0: Well, I think you know all the news is out of Texas today. Absolutely, San Antonio. Um, you know the thing we've been waiting for in making predictions about the playoffs is well, how how healthy are the Spurs going to be, and in particular, how healthy is Kawhi Leonard going to be? And now Pop saying today that he will be, he does not expect uh, Hawaii to be back. And even if he were healthy, it would be for the very end of the season. And then he doesn't know how much he would play him in that, in that situation. So for a, for a franchise that's sort of teetering on the edge of age and youth with Tony Parker in the last year of his contract, you've got Rudy Gay nearing the end of his, or I guess he's beyond his prime, but he's still useful. Um, And LaMarcus Aldridge on the other side of his prime, like throwing away the year is, I would say it's a huge blow for San Antonio. And it kind of makes you think, well, you know, Tony Parker, I'd be surprised if he's back. Manu Ginobili, I'd be surprised if he's back. What do the Spurs look like next year rebuilding around uh, Kawhi Leonard officially with some of the old standbys uh, out of the picture?
1: Yeah, that's very true. Also, it's hard to get some of those mainstays out of your mind when you're trying to look at the San Antonio Spurs, like it was very weird to see them without Tim Duncan. You finally got used to it. With them without Tony Parker, you're putting a lot of faith into Patty Mills being your guy. And I think it's because it's not a sexy name. Like Patty Mills is just solid, and that's what he is. He's a solid backup point guard. He's not the guy you want running your team. So the San Antonio Spurs have to really look at what's going to be out there, who – Who's going, to play, who's going to want to go there and be with them? Um, Kawhi, when healthy, in my eyes, is one of the top three players in the NBA. So, sure, if he comes back, if he comes back healthy next year, him, Aldridge, Danny Green, um, you know, obviously you have to start retooling your bench a little bit. You have to decide whether Gasol's going to be back. Um, Rudy Gay, like you were sitting there saying. You have to just start looking around and see where these other guys are going to be. And is that core good enough to build around
0: yeah. And, and when you talk about some of the big name players that are available this summer, they're, most of them are at Kawhi's position. <laughs> when you talk about yeah, LeBron exactly. probably being available and, and uh, Paul George, you know, the bigger names, um, you know, the Spurs can do point guard by committee if they have to, if they have a big, if they have the the star power other positions, DeJounte Murray has shown flashes of brilliance and, you know, Patty Mills, as you mentioned, and, Maybe Tony's back in a limited role, although his best days are far behind him. Derek White can play some point guard. But, yeah, that's not, hey, we've got a three-headed point guard, and none of them are, you know, star players. So uh, is it enough to say, well, and then Bryn Forbes has had a couple good games, too, for that matter. But is it enough to say, well, we've got Powell on the downside of his career, LaMarcus, who has not shown that he wants to be the number one guy consistently, neither in Portland or in or in uh, San Antonio, it really kind of rhymes on Kawhi. The thing is Kawhi, unlike say James Harden is not a recruiter. Uh, He kind of keeps to himself. And so he's not the guy that's going to be working the phone saying, Hey, Paul George, Hey, LeBron, or, you know, whoever they'd want to target. Whereas James Harden is definitely on LeBron James's tail as far as trying to get him to Houston. So, you know, it, 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 it's interesting. I do think what the Spurs have going in their favor is a level of excellence that we have not seen in the NBA ever throughout the Greg Popovich era. When you talk about David Robinson retired, Tim Duncan rose to replace him as Tim Duncan began to decline. Tony Parker was there uh, in his prime. And then uh, when Tim finally retires, Kawhi has emerged as a superstar. So, you know, it's awfully tough to see, Kawhi go down with a consistent kind of injury that, and I hate to say it but it reminds me of Josh Howard in Dallas or Derek Rose like you get a guy and he looks amazing and then it's like injury 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 and then all of a sudden that player is not who they were so we hope that's not what happens to Kawhi Leonard but if it does man it's it's a tough situation for the Spurs
1: yeah and I also think with that type of injury for that type of player you know, we heard stories earlier in the season that there's a disconnect between Kawhi, there's and, and the Spurs and the organization. I, I think there's a lot of that stuff that's just nonsense. It's always to me is because you know once stuff hit ESPN and Fox Sports News, it's usually like a week and a half late. <laughs> you know, it's like this. Is yeah, crazy. right. It's, it's just a week and a half, especially late out of San Antonio.
0: But,
1: yeah, San Antonio. Like apparently, Duncan had made his decision like three weeks before the news broke, and. Don't was like, "Well, you yeah. guys are just getting this now?" <laughs> that's just the way, mm-hmm. you know, the way cuz they don't let anything out.
0: out. I mean, they yeah. the Spurs are as as tight as any and it should be that way. I don't I don't like, you know, when you see teams where there's a lot of leaks and everything's coming out on ESPN and not from for the local sports writer or from a team announcement itself tells you that that's not a very tight organization. With the Spurs, you don't the Spurs will tell you what's happening. You don't find it out through some back channel from some intern that called somebody, that told somebody, that tweeted it and that's how you find out. Uh, the Spurs announce it or you don't know.
1: So staying in the Western Conference, like obviously the Kawhi situation is, is a big story um, but if you look at the Western Conference part of the thing I want to do with you in a little bit, we're going to do a little fact, fact and fiction I have four or five of them for you but let's just talk about the Golden State Warriors for a second. I know the joke has been the players are now coaching the team there's the board and all this other <laughs> nonsense. You have a team like the Houston yeah. Rockets and you have a, te- and a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder who can really give the Warriors a real run for their money. Um, can either one of these two teams knock the Warriors out of the playoffs?
0: I'm not a believer in the Thunder because they rely awfully heavily on Carmelo. And I'm not a be- I don't believe in Carmelo. I do believe in Paul George, absolutely. And I believe in Russell Westbrook. They even have the front court with Steven Adams. They could they could make life difficult in the front court for the Warriors. But I think when the playoffs start, you know, we see teams drop games in the middle of the season, especially before the All-Star break. You know, Golden State drops the game to Portland, and people start to go, oh, the, the Warriors look beatable. Uh, okay. But it's the middle of the season right before the All-Star break, and there's a mental let-up. There just is. I mean, it's league-wide. You see it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not a real believer in the Thunder. Now the Rockets, on the other hand, you've added some rim protection, some front court play in Brandon Wright, who is really an underrated front court player, uh, and then you've got Joe Johnson. And Joe Johnson talks about, man, I just can't believe the intensity of this team. Uh, the guys here are it's it's championship or bust, and it's really something special to be a part of. Joe Johnson saying that, I mean, he, this guy's been around. So I think the fact that the core in Houston has made that impression on Joe Johnson really says a lot, and I do think, you know, when you've you've got guys like the the kind of style, the style of offense that the Warriors want to play is they're just fine with the Rockets. They're they're very happy to that's their, you know, ten seconds or less uh, offense, and you've they over the course of the season you've got Gerald Green who is precisely that kind of player. Chris Paul has fit in amazingly well next to James Harden. They just facilitate the hell out of the ball. And now with Joe Joe Johnson and Brandon Wright, you know, Brandon Wright's not a guy you're going to run a play for, but you miss a shot, he's going to come up with the ball and put it back in. Like, he's just that kind of around-the-rim talent. So uh, I think those two additions, Joe Johnson and Brandon Wright, give the Rockets a reason to be in a conversation with possibly upsetting the Warriors. It still has to be proven you've still got, you know, three of the most clutch guys in the league on both ends of the floor, uh, Clay Thompson is certainly going to make life difficult for Harden. But when you've got Kevin Durant and Steph Curry too, uh, boy, it's a tall order. It's a tall order for Chris Paul to try to contain Steph. So. But i tell you what, that that series is probably more entertaining than whatever the Eastern Conference sends to the West.
1: Oh, no, I can agree with you on that. And with, you know, one thing with the Oklahoma City Thunder, the, one of the things that I really do like about them is when I've watched them against the Warriors so far – this is a conversation you and I had earlier in the week about just the ability of rebounding the basketball and taking away the fast break of the Warriors because the Warriors have a majority of their three-pointers in transition. Yeah, I think OKC has more of a structured lineup than Houston does. I feel like once a team wins an NBA championship, a lot of teams start trying to follow that model whereas yeah, a they team, certainly do. A, a team, and instead of a team just developing their own identity and sticking to what they do, I think OKC sort of sticks to what they do. Yes, Melo seems to be the guy right now. Who's, he, it's, he sticks out with like a sore thumb a little bit as far as what you're going to get out of him on a nightly basis. Are you going to get the Carmelo that's going to be moving the ball and giving you 17 points and five assists, which he's had pretty yeah. consistently when they were winning? Or are you going to get the guy who's going to force up 25 shots, get 20 points, three assists, and the team ends up losing close games? So yep. which one are you really That's getting? right.
0: That's, so. that's what I mean. Am I going to count on Carmelo?
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> A lot of teams have uh, <laughs> struggled when they count on Carmelo.
1: Exactly. They yeah, have the mix and the nuggets. Uh, both are, you know, can attest that this is, you know, <laughs> ha-ha, okay, see. Um, George Carroll once told me West-
0: that he would – rather go to battle with 12 guys who play as a team. When they traded Iverson and Carmelo back a few years ago, traded them both, and he said, we'll be a better team now because all 12 guys will play together as a team. And that's been the M.O. I mean, when he was in New York, what'd Carmelo do? I'm going to get my points. If we lose, oh, well, we lose. But I got my points. It's not a championship mentality. Do Westbrook and Paul George have enough championship mentality to make up for him? Maybe. But he's got to do something. Yeah, he's got to be, you know, he's got to be present. So
1: yeah, but you know what? They have enough. They also have enough firepower on that team right now, where if they, they take Mello off of there, they have guys who can contribute. Like I have watched, ball yeah. great ball movement, great ball movement in a couple of games that I've watched them with, especially that blowout game against Cleveland. That was probably the best I've seen OKC play all season. I think a lot, of, also a lot, had to do with Cleveland. And I guess we'll shift over to Cleveland right now. Of what has uh, what has transpired over the last week, especially with the trade deadline, I guess Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder were just not good fits for that franchise and to be with LeBron James, because everyone just seemed to feel that okay, you're going to be losing the 25 or 20 to 25 points from Kyrie Irving that Isaiah Thomas will just be able to make up. The thing is though, Isaiah did not Isaiah, Isaiah needs to have the ball in his hand to be effective, whereas Kyrie and LeBron just found a way to mesh together from the minute LeBron got there because I guess they were on the same page from what what the goal was, what they were looking to do together. And I don't think that Isaiah ever got into that LeBron-style offense where it's going to be based around him and everyone else just sort of works off of that, whereas now the way this roster is looking, keep in mind there's still no Kevin Love. You have Larry Nance Jr. You have Clarkson who's coming in. You have Hood, who's there, and then you also have, um, you know, you also have you know, the rest Hill. of the team that's there now. Yeah, it's, it's George Hill. George mm-hmm. Hill, who's uh, who's just a tough point guard. He's not flashy, but he's he he reminds me. Tell me if this is the right comparison. He reminds you of the mentality he has on the floor of Mark Jackson because yeah. he's he's all business. He, he speaks up when he needs to speak up. He scores when he needs to score, but he's always making sure the ball's moving and everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And that's the mentality of George Hill. Can this team compete against the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors to get them back to the finals, and can they compete against the Warriors?
0: Well, it's interesting because the Celtics have shown some weakness, some some mental weakness, surprisingly, around midseason. Is that the midseason let-up? Eh, Maybe. But they've lost to some teams they really had no business losing to. And meanwhile, the Raptors have moved into first. The Raptors look fantastic. I've never doubted the Raptors in terms of talent. It's always been, is and really, just comes down to this, is Kyle Lowry going to be healthy? Because a healthy Kyle Lowry is one of the better point guards in the league. I mean, he's not Kyrie and Steph, but he's top of the next tier underneath them. But it seems like when it really comes down to the playoffs when you need him most, he winds up not being 100% when he's 100% he and De- and DeMar DeRozan will give you all you can handle in the backcourt and they could be the team to beat in the east it's just that if you know when when a certain player and we see it all over the place when a certain player just tends to be injury prone you're kind of waiting for the injury uh and if and if Kyrie Irving if uh Kyle Lowry is not healthy then could the the Cavaliers take advantage of that with their point guard rotation with George Hill you know Yeah, and and hey, it's all about fit. It's always been that way with the NBA. You have guys that you can put on any team. You can put LeBron on any team. You could put James Harden on any team. You could put Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving. You could put them on any team, and they're going to give you what they give you every night. But for guys like George Hill, for guys like Isaiah Thomas, it's all about the guys around you and the situation. You know Isaiah Thomas was amazing with with Boston had his all star coming out party after starting in Sacramento, then he struggles in Cleveland, then you trade him to l a and they're bringing him off the bench and he has not looked good yet, which is not to say he won't, but he just that you know he does not look good, but George Hill playing in Sacramento not a good fit. you put him on a team where he's got. LeBron to feed and a bunch of shooters, J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, you know, all these three-point shooters, Jeff Green. uh, And all he has to do is really facilitate. You're playing to George Hill's strength. He'll play outstanding defense, and like you said, he'll be the leader that will say what needs to be said. So situation matters for 95% of the NBA. And we see the Cavaliers putting players in situations where they can be strong. And the Raptors certainly have that. They've had continuity. They've got all the right guys in all the right places. Uh, with the Celtics, we're still kind of waiting to see, did they, did they uh, flame out? Did they peak too early? Uh, you know, and it's hard to believe that with Kyrie there. But, you know, I like to see when a general manager understands what role a player needs to be in and then acquires a player that fits that role. And that's what we saw in Cleveland was Isaiah Thomas and LeBron were not complementary talents, but George Hill, yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I think the key is also going to be now when Kevin Love comes back, because he's going to fit perfectly with this type of team, because he's going to be able to sit out on um, on the wing, shoot that jump shot that he really likes to shoot, and he's going to have some help in their rebounding, because they can actually mess around with the lineups a little bit and go Tristan, Larry Nance, and Kevin Love. So Kevin will be at the three, The other Nance will be at the four, Tristan will be at the five, and they'll have plenty of rebounding help. And now they'll obviously push LeBron down to the two and go with George Hill at the one. So they can start going big and start mixing and matching against other teams and cause their own havoc. I think that's the one big thing that's missing compared to the old days, of the the glory days of the 90s and the early 2000s, and not only the glory of the league because the 80s and the 90s were great, but it had defined positions of who was where. Whereas the Cavaliers are developing their own style of what they are now instead of just trying to compete with the Warriors. And I think that's very, very important. And I think what we're saying about the Celtics right now, I think in my, my opinion, they lack depth and I think they got off to the hot start, but it's the old marathon and sprint. <laughs> you know, the, the, the season a yep. marathon. It's definitely not a sprint. I think it's catching up to Boston now. And, you know, I'm waiting for the John Wall to get back with the Wizards and, them them making a push too. They can knock Boston, Cleveland can go jump over Boston to the number two spot, and Washington might catch up and knock out a, knock out Boston and take the the four spot, the three spot or the four spot. So we'll see what happens. It's gonna be it's, it's an interesting race uh, here in the Eastern Conference.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: My question also with a watered down Eastern Conference, you would think you know the old expression with um, when talent leaves opportunity arises and superstars, new superstars can be born. The NBA is based around its superstars. With the amount of talent that has gone to the Western Conference, are you surprised that we haven't gotten some more, uh, more guys stepping up and, uh, and getting their business card out there for the fan base as new superstars in the league coming out of the Eastern Conference? Are you surprised that we're not getting that this season?
0: Well, it's a tall order um, because what you have in the East, there's a lot of youth happening. The Milwaukee Bucks, big youth movement. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, big youth movement. You're seeing some of the younger teams, you know, Ben Simmons have, having an opportunity to step up and be big for Philly and Philly playing really, really well. Joel Embiid, I would say, is someone who's doing what you're saying, uh, putting his business card out there. Because Joel Embiid, you're going, yeah, Sam Hinkie wasn't as dumb as everybody thought he was, right? Uh, and certainly the, the trio in Milwaukee getting healthy and playing together and uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is not surprising anybody. There's a nice business card for you. So I I think they are. Um, and frankly, I think the timing, when you look at building these teams around young players and looking for them to mature um, and kind of hit their stride another year or two from now, when LeBron is a year or two older, and you know you don't know what's happened with the Cavaliers over that year or two. Is LeBron even in the East anymore? Is he a Laker? Or is he a Rocket? I, you know, the Rockets are certainly hoping and, and planning and all but begging him to, to look at their roster, which would be, you know, phenomenal. But let's say LeBron leaves next year. Man, talk about the East being wide open. Uh, so these young teams, Milwaukee and Philly in particular, the up-and-coming, you know, stars of the East are going to be on those two teams. And I think, uh, you know, the timing is just right because you don't want to peak while – LeBron is still dominating or, you know, and even, even, the, even the, uh, the Raptors for that matter. When you start talking about a year or two down the line, you've got Kyle Lowry a little bit older. You know, it, it's going to be the right time for some of these young teams to peak and their young players to start to leave their mark on the league as the generation of LeBron and, and that group starts to either <laughs> move west or get a little bit older.
1: Uh, let's right, let's do a little bit of uh, fact and fiction. Uh, fact and fiction brought to you by our good friends over at Level 1 Games in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. You can relive your past and take your game into the next level. They have board games, card games, video games, every type of game available, uh, except the NBA game, but that's okay. Um, okay, so so here we go. Four, four facts or fictions. We were just talking about the Cavaliers uh, with LeBron James. Fact or fiction, the moves that the Cavaliers made not only makes them competitive against the Golden State Warriors in the finals, but it also gives them the best opportunity to keep LeBron in Cleveland.
0: You know, I think we have to – it depends on that. I would say – I'd say that's fiction because you can't – generally speaking, you can't put that many new faces on a team and have it work that quickly. Yes, Larry Nance and Clarkson and Rodney Hood and George Hill, this is a – you've replaced some guys that didn't fit very well – with guys who have tremendous upside, young players with upside and uh, who are obviously excited to play with LeBron. So does this increase your chances of keeping him perhaps, but it really depends on how good they can become in the last month and a half year of the season. Because when you, when LeBron's going to have the Rockets with Chris Paul and James Harden on the phone and the Lakers who can sign two max players on the phone and you have an opportunity to say, hey, you want to play with Paul George, you want to play with, you know, that's, that's going to be a tall order. So at this point, I'm going to say that's fiction, fiction on the part of competing with the Warriors. But maybe fact on the part of this young group of complementary talent might have a better shot at keeping him in town.
1: Okay. Um, I'm going to say it's a fact, I guess, on both sides of it. I just – watching those four, three games with that new unit, just seems to have revitalized not only Brown, but it revitalized the franchise. And it's the first time I think a general manager went out and looked around this and took the temperature of the culture of the team and made moves that he felt were actually good for the team instead of just making moves for the sake of making moves. I, I, like, I'm just going to use the Pistons move again, Blake Griffin, as an example. I didn't feel that move was fully necessary for Detroit Yes, I know they had a, a little bit of mishmash of talent, and I know that the Clippers wanted to shake things up, and obviously Jerry West wants to just start from scratch and say, I want to have one or two, one or two pieces here, and then I'll build it. But I, this is the first time in a long time I saw a team, a general manager look at their team and say, oh, we need this, this, and this, and let's just go out and get it. And, that's and the got it all. That yeah. of, and got it all. And got it all. One shot, too, which was absolutely amazing. Right. I, I logged on to Twitter for like five minutes on trade deadline day, and I was like, wow, Cleveland did all this. It's, it's pretty crazy, and you know what? It just might work, and if it does work, it's, it's even crazier. <laughs> like, then the real question is going to begin, if the, if the Cleveland Cavaliers can win an NBA championship this year, then what happens with LeBron? Because <laughs> then it gets real interesting. But, uh, but that's one that's thing the I'll question, question
0: you on. against, you make a lot of changes, and the rest of the league needs a minute to adjust, and my poster boy for this is Jeremy Jeremy Lin. Mm -hmm. Jeremy Lin was amazing. Lin Sanity and all that for several weeks leading up to the all-star break. And over the all-star break, all the other teams started scouting him and looking at film. And he was not very, and he has never been that good since. So the Cavaliers made a bunch of changes and they won some games, but now you've had the all-star break. It's going to be interesting to see how teams adjust their defense now that they will have had a minute to look at what the Cavaliers are going to do with their new players. So there's, there's my rebuttal to that.
1: <laughs> no, that's, that's, it's, a, it's a good rebuttal. Uh, speaking of the all-star uh, all-star game this past weekend, fact of fiction, uh, them having two captains, picking teams is a good way of revitalizing the all-star game. Fact of fiction.
0: You know, I'm not the target audience anymore. The, the target audience is kids, really, you know, teenagers and, and, kids like that, Uh, us adults are no longer, it's kind of like the movie theater. I I go to the movies and I see the previews and I'm like, my God, I don't want to see any of this crap. I'm not the target audience anymore. To me, no, I want to see the East versus the West. I want to (laughs) see the best players, but, but that's how it's always been. I want to watch, you know, which team, which conference has bragging rights. Um, So mixing it all up where you got, you know, picking I, I just, to me it seems like yeah the more you try to uh mix it up the more the 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 past the history the culture of it gets lost and then i lose interest i mean i i didn't even watch it i just i didn't even care i watched some of the dunk i saw all the highlights of the dunk contest uh but really the game itself i mean eh. but I guess I didn't see what the numbers were. Did more people tune in to watch it? Did it make it more exciting? If if the if the audience was up, then I guess the NBA uh did a good job of of seeing who their audience was and judging what they would want. But as far as my what I look for in a in a very traditionalist sense of growing up watching, you know, the traditional format, the all star game itself was not the problem. It was all the stuff, you know, the stuff around it gets old. So eh for me that's fiction. I, I didn't care for it, but you know, again, I'm I'm not necessarily the target audience. So let the kids decide. They're the ones buying the tickets and buying the shoes and buying the jerseys and all that.
1: Yeah. I agree with you in some senses where, where it's fiction, because like, like you said, the media guys are not exactly the target audience anymore. Uh, it's, it's the kids. And I will tell you, they did this to help, you know, keep their audience fresh and, Cause this is the first look they really, you know, people really, really give the NBA if you're not a diehard fan. You're watching the All Star weekend. You want to see something, what the product is about, because this is a representation of the product. And it's not really sitting there saying much because the last couple of years, the NBA's uh, playoffs, there's a couple of good series here and there in the West Side, but the Eastern Conference has been so lopsided. So they're trying to do something that's going to reinvigorate their product. And it just, it just, I thought the weekend was flat. I thought this was the first All Star weekend where I watched a little bit of it. And, Everything just sort of felt flat. I think since New York, you know, since the New York uh, NBA All-Star Weekend, everything has been a little flat in the NBA when it comes to the actual All-Star Weekend. Uh, I agree with yep, you. I think it's I more on side. Um, last, last two, because we're, we're against the clock, the Rockets and other teams made enough moves to make it where it's not the Warriors versus the field. Warriors are going to have some competition I- in the playoffs here.
0: I do think they'll have competition from the Rockets in particular. Uh, obviously losing Kawhi Leonard is a blow because I thought the Spurs, if they got Kawhi healthy, could absolutely challenge we, uh, the Warriors. No, no question about it. But now without Kawhi, they're not, the Spurs are probably out in the first round. So uh, did the Rockets make the right moves? Absolutely. Two great additions, as we talked about earlier. Uh, could the Thunder give them a run? Maybe. Other than that, though, whoever they see in the first round is toast, <laughs> and whoever they see in the second round is probably toast. If the the Rockets wind up playing the Thunder before either of them see Golden State, then obviously it it kind of paves the way for the Warriors to get to the Western Conference Finals as well. So, yeah, I think the only real and and due respect to your point about the the Thunder and their front court advantage. I think the only challenge the, the Warriors have in the entire NBA is the Houston Rockets, and that could prove to be quite a challenge.
1: I agree with you as far as the West is concerned. Obviously, with Cleveland making the moves that they did, I think it's going to be very, very interesting, the road the Warriors would have to take to uh, get to another championship. And the last factor, of fiction uh, comes from, I guess, I don't want to say the seller of the Eastern Conference, but the way the 76ers are, are now building this team – you know, they have guys sitting there saying hashtag trust the process. OKC, when they first really got started down in uh, Oklahoma City with young guys like Westbrook and Durant in their younger days and James Harden, they built their guys with off of rookie contracts and so on and so forth. Is this the right way? Is it's, it's true or false? Is this is the right way of doing this process of building your team?
0: It is. It absolutely is. Uh, not only you've got Milwaukee, you've got Philly, but look at, look at Utah, for example, the Utah Jazz. You lose Gordon Hayward. You think, wow, that's a gut punch that sets the Jazz back a, a generation. And Donovan Mitchell steps right in, and he's amazing. And they're going to have space to sign a Max player this summer. And they've got all the young talent. Say you get an audience with Paul George, who was drafted and played for uh, David Morway. who was the GM of the Pacers. He's the assistant GM of the jazz. What if he can get you an audience with Paul George? You've built all the young pieces and then add the one thing you need to compete. I really like that. You look at um, the shortcuts. I'm not a fan of it. The warriors uh, were quite (laughs) obviously didn't need Kevin Durant to win a championship. It just makes it even more unfair. Um, But I really like to see when you, as San Antonio did this, you draft your players, you develop your players, You add a tweak here and there, Minnesota Timberwolves, another example. Um, You add a veteran here, a veteran there. But I like to see teams draft their guys, develop their guys, and then put complementary pieces around the guys they've drafted and developed. There's just something in me that likes to see that approach. Uh, And and the whole thing of the, the free agency era of super teams, I could completely do without. I think it's cheap. Uh, and it's just, it does, it's not fun. I I would rather see, um, Milwaukee, Philly, you know, teams that are doing it the right way. I'd rather see that Toronto for that matter, you know, has pretty much done it the right way. So, um, you know, for me, for my money, that's it. I like to see the development, the drafting, that whole process. I love it. I love watching players get better and the team grows together and team chemistry means something. I just love that. That's, that's my favorite brand of basketball.
1: I can't agree with you anymore, uh, Bill Ingram. Bill, let everybody know where they can find you if they want to follow your opinions and uh, your work with the NBA, because I know we we're you're starting to get back into that groove a little bit.
0: I am. I keep getting tempted, and, and uh, yes, I'm writing a little bit for nbaradioshow.com. I'm also always available on at the Rocket Guy on Twitter. You can find me there, and anything I'm writing anywhere, I always tweet out there, and, and I stay pretty well abreast of the latest happenings in the NBA. So I, I'll retweet the, the big stories and whatnot. So uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter at the rocket guy, and then you will find me uh, doing some writing for NDA show.com with Gary aid and Tracy Graven and some of those guys. So uh, yeah, that's where you can look me up.
1: Awesome. And you know what? Also, I always love having you on because you know, you and I end up having a pretty intense NBA conversation. So as, as always, thank you for giving me uh, a little bit of time you're you're the best at it, and you know we hope to have you on more towards playoff time.
0: Sounds good, my friend.
1: All right, thank you very much. The great Bill Ingram joining us here on off topic with Randy Zelia, uh, backsportspage dot com. So that's it. This was sort of a test show. I like to thank our sponsors, always uh, Level One Games in uh, Pompton Plains, New Jersey, and BackSportsPage.com. dot com. I'm going to be back. I might come back tomorrow night and do another show. I haven't decided yet, but it looks like we're going to be doing every Thursday night here on Blog Talk. Uh, more of a picking a couple topics or just a sport, and we're just going to go with that instead of trying to hit on every sport and making it an extended show. It's easier to do it this way. I enjoy doing it this way a little bit more. It's a little bit less as far as the planning aspect, but I can expand more on the topics. Hope you guys enjoyed it. This is, the, uh, this is Off Topic with Randy Zeliev. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RandyBSP. And of course, everything's on backsportspage.com, and the archive of this show will be available on SoundCloud on backsportspage.com first thing Thursday morning. Guys, have a great, great night. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon.
0: a matchup. And what a team, Mike. MetroPCS and the iPhone SE for $0 on a network that covers 99% of people in the U.S. Oh, impressive. Play with the best. Switch to MetroPCS on an unlimited LTE plan and get a 32-gig iPhone SE for $0. MetroPCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax. Claim based on talk and text. Not valid for active numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on MetroPCS in the past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions.